0: Welcome to Mastering Agility. If you want to listen to authentic conversations with the most inspiring guests, find like minded people in the Mastering Agility Discord community, or both online and face to face events, this is the platform for you. Grab a drink, sit back, and join professional scrum trainers Sander Dorr, Jen Sammons, and their guests in an all new episode.
1: Good morning, man. Welcome back. Good to see you.
0: Yeah, same to you. How are you doing? Not bad. Feeling good. Nice day. Rested. Caffeinated. You know, has got all Feels the makeup. Like
1: there's a what?
0: Well, you know, every, you know, it's, it's weird. I'm in this uh, frame of mind. I'm just curious what the day is going to come. I have some interesting client uh, meetings later today, so one of which is going to be kind of centered around some conflict. So trying to make sure that mentally I'm ready to facilitate that conversation. And then I'm just not sure how it's going to go. What do you do
1: to get mentally ready?
0: Well, so I I will tell you what I'm doing in this case is I am putting some visuals in front of, uh, in front of myself at my fingertips around some structured problem solving techniques that I've used. And I am brushing up on the nonviolent communication model, which I've been trained in and have used before in a client setting and in, a, in various settings. And I just want to arm myself with a little bit of a refresher on it because I'm not going to teach it today, but I might introduce this group to one or two of the concepts from NVC. Just things like that, you know, it's it's kind of like what we talked about on our previous episode, which is if people like us are not at least a half a step ahead or more prepared than the people we're trying to help, I think we're failing. Yeah, ish.
1: And, and it it, it depends because the, the old it, consultant paradigm. Sure. I mean,
0: you, you can't prepare for the unknown, but if you know that you're going to get into something that is impactful and important and you don't give it due attention, is that responsible?
1: Fair enough. Like, yeah, but that, that's a, that's a tricky thing. If people don't speak up about whatever was very important to them, it's really hard to pinpoint whether something is really important because we can try to suck this out of thin air as coaches, as consultants, uh, but we can also only do so much, right? We can observe, we can try to read the room, but there are people who are emotional wizards, if you will, that can just hide whatever feelings that they have, almost seem like a robot and never speak up about this.
0: Yeah, I... Was listening to a previous episode of Mastering Agility where you were talking to uh, the Jeffs, Molesky and Bubbles, and the topic of like remote uh, collaboration and teaching and training and consulting came up. And there was, you know, obviously two big schools of thought on the call, which is cameras on, gotta be there uh, et cetera. And then there was the, the other side of that coin might be, well, let's let people do whatever's comfortable for them. And if they don't want to come off mute, or if they don't want to be on camera, that's okay. I'm not going to force it. You, every human has agency, et cetera. Do you feel that it it makes our already difficult job of things like reading the room and body language and communication techniques and facilitation techniques exponentially harder when we are remote like this?
1: I think this is very dependent on personal preference for me, a thousand percent. Yes. I hate it when people turn off their cameras, their microphones, when they shut it off emotionally, it doesn't help for me. Same with teaching virtual courses. One of the first thing that I tell people, I would like to re- be able to read the room, right? Cause I want to provide the best course possible. And I cannot do that. If I cannot see the response of people's faces, whether they're zoning out, whether they're doing something completely different, because that would be a cue to me. Maybe we need a coffee break. Maybe we need an energizer. Maybe we need to move on when it comes to the topic. If people are not having their cameras on or they're just playing hide and seek,
0: I don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. If I think back to different meetings, workshops, just days, you know, a lot of valuable stuff came out of a hallway conversation or Hey, everybody, take 15, go get coffee down at the, either the cafeteria or the coffee station, hit the restroom, do whatever you need to do, and then you walk with somebody and they say, "Hey, by the way, that thing we were just talking about, yada, you know, and then they get into something they didn't feel comfortable bringing up in the group, and I'm like, oh my God, that's that's a, an amazing point. Can you bring that up when we all come back together? Like, that doesn't happen virtually. Now, I think being virtual, when it goes well gives us a lot of new capabilities but it does make certain things harder and certain things less likely to occur i think that's uh, true
1: yeah what i did notice when people like if we have a coffee break or a lunch break and people are sitting behind their desks still just waiting for us to continue or they're checking up on their email that provides something else like a different hook to latch onto like what's going on i see this response in your face how are you feeling yeah. how's space how is everything going uh, I don't know. Just a random question, like tell me uh, a, a random fact about you that few people know, right? That that little break mm-hmm. gives you an opportunity mm-hmm. to dive into into these kind of topics,
0: right? Now, before we get into the like a bigger topic, how are you doing? How are you feeling?
1: I'm good. I'm warm. Um, as I was just saying. Uh, Before Connection broke, because apparently the the Connection has some challenges with heat as well. I'm scorching. (laughs) The the sun's on my back. Uh, Forget to just procrastinate to to get my sunscreen fixed over here. And this summer so far has been extremely warm. Now, my kids are having their holidays, so they're running around downstairs. So it's not an option for me to work there either especially not to record podcasts unless our listeners would really enjoy the sound of my screaming kids through their microphone while trying to distill my voice or your voice throughout probably not <laughs> going to work. Uh, other mm-hmm. than that, I'm doing well. I was just looking at the BST uh, mandatory face-to-face events for next year where we can go locations like the locations spark so much joy already. Uh, I think one of the biggest perks and maybe people are, Kind of dislike me over this, but is it the travel part? Right? I enjoy traveling, I enjoy discovering new places. I try to go somewhere else every time. The only recurring place I've been going to is Boston so far, Uh, but I love to travel, man. Also, with Mm. going to the conferences and speaking at conferences, I love this. How Mm. are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Um, I don't have the heat challenges you have. I I am having a bad physical reaction to some things on my property. So I'm very itchy. Um, here in the US, uh, where I live, we have a lot of po- what we call poison ivy. And it's an invasive thing. And it it, it's, it can make you very uncomfortable if you're in the p- portion of the population that is bothered by it. And I, I am slightly, uh, I'm not one of the severe like seek medical help type of rare, rarer cases. But uh, so I've been looking at different ways to eradicate it so that I can enjoy more of my property. Right. Um, so it's made sleeping difficult. It's made enjoying basic things more difficult. I've been to the, the drug store m- more often than normal to try and get some over the counter type help. Um, so yeah, that's like my biggest pain right now, but you said something I want to come back to. People might not like that. You enjoy the travel. Why? why
1: uh carbon footprints etc etc oh okay damaging nature and i get it i do get it right it's it's not the best thing
0: okay but sure if, if your amount of travel is going to ruin the ozone sure i guess maybe somebody could be upset with you but i don't think all of us staying indoors and never leaving our cities and homes and countries is good for humanity either
1: no, very true. Um, it's it's a f- discussion that I have. I'm not going to say frequently with one of my friends, but also not infrequently, where he stopped traveling with like long distance car rides. He has stopped. He stopped taking uh, planes, etc. And he's not trying to sell the concept to me. He's also not forcing me not to fly. But he definitely let, lets me know that he's opposed to me flying to random places just because I can. Uh, like we're going to, this, we're speaking of this Azerbaijanian conference in November. Uh, if you're listening from Azerbaijan, let me know. I would love to meet you there. Uh, but the sense of traveling, do the whole experience, discovering a new place, is so mentally liberating for me. It's 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 one of the most liberating feelings that I have because always staying in the same spot, like staying in the same city, the same culture the same country it makes me feel um and trapped if you will mm-hmm. makes me feel like there's there's always this burning feeling that there's so much more that i have never discovered like that i would like to know about there's so much more to this earth that we can enjoy but we're not letting ourselves
0: well yeah when I travel, I tend to have mixed feelings. One of them is is very similar to what you're describing, which is I want to do it more and I want to get out and just sound my barbaric yawp over the rooftop to the world and <laughs> and just, you know, experience and dive into every culture I can so that I can feel what it's like to be a local and empathize and, and just learn and understand and and, and all that. Um, it also tends to create a little bit of stress and anxiety for me because when you do that, it also, at least in you, does it make you feel like you want to do it more and like, you're never going to see it all. And you're never going to find every awesome little side street in Paris that leads to this amazing bakery, or you're never going to, you're never going to do enough. Like, do you find that there's like this balance between, um, enjoying what you are doing but also creating stress or anxiety about what you're not doing
1: uh yes in, in a slightly different way i do notice when i'm not traveling like for a couple of months now cuz especially last year with with clients abroad and doing frequent travel like every month a couple of times now it goes almost into some form of withdrawal like i've ha- i haven't traveled for a couple of months now i'm starting to get itchy like i want to get out and now mm. it was supposed to go to switzerland to have a have a trip with friends and uh and with uh, with some other people that we we were working with a, with our previous clients with because we get, became friends with the best team i've ever worked with and now that got canceled because of X reasons uh, or at least didn't get canceled but it got postponed until the end of the year
0: like ah, fuck now what yeah yeah, that, that's yeah, I can see that. I can relate to that. Like when you've been looking forward to something and it abruptly ends or gets canceled. Yeah. But you just have an opportunity now to do something else.
1: Yeah, very true. Very true. You know, at least it's, like, it would be on the short term, in the short term, because it would be in like two weeks. Oh, okay. So that's probably not going to happen anymore. Ah, uh, but yeah. still. So hence why I was saying about the uh, the face-to-face for next year, like all these exotic locations that I have not been to before, Panama, Melbourne, uh, Montreal, all these spots make me, yes, let's fucking go. Yeah. Montreal has been on my travel bucket list for since forever. Mm-hmm. And I also understand like we're in the luxurious place where we could actually do this these kind of things, which is freaking awesome. Like for the, the coming couple of months, we're speaking at the conference in Austria. I mean, well, we're teaching in Ohio. I haven't been to Ohio in about 13 years, 12 years, something like that. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Then going back to Boston, we're speaking at the conference in, in Baku, Azerbaijan, then probably the conference in Montreal, probably another trip to Switzerland and Milan. So there are some trips coming up, and they, yeah. those are all good locations.
0: Have you ever had anyone... Like in your circle, maybe maybe not in your company, but your 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 friend, family, acquaintance circle. Like, kind of give you shit about travel. Like, oh, it must be nice to be able to go to Azerbaijan, or it must be nice to be able to decide between Munich and Switzerland.
1: Not necessarily shit, but that's the thing. What I what I've noticed before, and it's not a very toxic kind of envy. Uh, but people don't see the amount of work that has been put in to be able to get to this position. And mm-hmm. I don't want to make myself more important than I am, but this is definitely a place I have put in a tremendous amount of effort, work, reflection, uh, and a lot of pain into to, to get into. And I'm not saying that I worked myself into travel, but the position that I'm currently in, with for instance, by doing this podcast, I work for this amazing company, and being able to go to places where people apparently want to listen to whatever I have to say about certain topics. Uh, that is something that I have aimed for, but that they require a lot of effort, pain, sacrifice, etc., etc. And that's the part that people do not see. And it's the same with um, actual famous people like not me, but actual famous people. People mm-hmm. always say, well, it must be nice to be a millionaire. It must be nice to be famous. I think it would suck to be famous, man. you know how many yeah. people start complaining or, or uh, how many people start wanting or or demanding money from you? You know that, that old, old-ish mobile game Flappy Bird? I do. The guy who created it got so much... He earned so much money from Flappy Bird. He went insane about the amount of requests he got from people... Uh, wanting money from him like I have this kid here thousand pictures he's dying he has this and this disease I need your money you're my last last resort basically blah 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 the guy went absolutely nuts at a certain point he was earning over 50,000 bucks a day because of this game and he, he just couldn't handle it he could not cope with it mentally and then just gave his money away and then he went into a monastery Wow. Like people only see the parts that they want to see.
0: Yeah. I think it was one of the original founders or maybe the founder of Instagram and he went on social media. I think it was late last year, early this year and just said, you know, I've done enough. I'm going to go garden. Like that's my dream is to spend my days in the garden, taking care of plants and, and whatever. And like, I think that's great. Like he's getting off the treadmill of needing more and more and more. And, Uh, I'm sure from what I've read, there's a lot of philanthropic efforts there. He's not just going to bury his money in the garden and whatever. And, you know, you can have those things, but I think these are different things, right? Like being that rich, $50,000 a day type stuff is, is different than a friend of yours or a family member looking down on you because you get to travel. And, you know, I had somebody say this to me, I've had this happen many times, you know, um, Maybe it's a friend on Facebook and they're like, oh, it must be nice to be able to go to London or it must be nice to be able to do this. And I'm like, well, you could They're like, no, I can't. I'm like, sure. You just made different choices than me. Um, and I, I remember asking one friend, like, how much was your Harley? Oh, $21,000. I got this Chrome and that Chrome. And I got this $800 into this. I'm like, well, that's like, two tickets around the world for for a month or that's uh, six trips to to London or that's um, a crazy weekend on Broadway in New York and still have exactly. $18,000. And I'm like, you're just making different choices. Um, or maybe they have other habits or vices or, or things. And it's like, I'm not judging them on what they choose to do with their time and income but I also don't want to feel bad about how I spend mine. And exactly, I actually had one person thank me for kind of putting that idea out there. Cause I put it out there in a, in a nicer way a couple of times over the years, like this idea of choices and you might see if you just look at my, my Facebook, which I keep extremely close and private, but if, you see that you might be like, oh wow, look, there's Scotland, there's London, there's New York, there's Chicago in the spring or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't see all the work behind it. You don't see the red eyes, the the two a.m. flights for an eight a.m. meeting, and you don't see, you know, I I don't I don't. That's boring. I don't put that out there because nobody wants to see a bleary eyed, under caffeinated Jim stumbling through O'Hare, laden down by bags and with a stain on his. pants. Yes, I would. Pants. I would love. To see <laughs> no, that. no, nobody would lo- want to see that, but. It's like you, you only see what people want you to see. Um, but it's also just about choices. Um, and I think that is – it's tough, right? It, we, we all tend to look at, at what people put out in the world and and make judgments and assumptions and create emotions and stories in our brain around that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, because people just see what they want to see as well in that. They could also say even be a little bit more empathetic in that sense. Well, good for you. Well done. You've put in the effort. Now you're there. Now you can, you know, you can enjoy this. And I remember there's always FOMO, right? Uh, Fear of missing out. And I remember this interview with Jim Jim Carrey where he just announced that he would stop acting. Like he would retire from acting or at least tone Mm -hmm. down tremendously. And he in a very serious and sincere way, he said, I've done enough. I have enough. I am enough. And that's so incredibly powerful. Just also, if you would see the face that he was saying with the the, the complete sincerity, but Mm -hmm. people to feel that they are enough, that's incredibly Mm -hmm. rare.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Like the book that really, hammered this idea home for me is Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, because it, I, I won't take anything away from the book by by saying this, because I highly encourage everybody to take a look at it and consider reading it. But it's about kind of the self-help industry and how It has this uh, cycle of telling you you're not good enough, making you feel like you're not good enough, and then giving you tools to become better, and then saying, "Well, you're still not good enough. Here's some more tools, some more books, some more seminars, some more this." And there's a lot of things in the book that I took away, but one of them is most of the shit we all care about, you shouldn't even worry about it. Don't even give it a thought. But the things that do matter, you should care about and and think about very very deeply. So it's kind of about doing less with higher quality, which seems to correlate to work quite a bit with what you and I tend to probably find ourselves advising people to do, which is instead of worrying about how you're going to get all thousand things done, you probably don't even need 900 of them. But why don't we do those hundred really, really well, get a lot of feedback, get a lot of the, uh, this to drive a lot of value, et cetera. It's, it's not a, about quantity. It's about quality.
1: Yeah. Could not agree more. Just coming back quickly because I, um, uh, I don't want to send out the the wrong message either. Because we're telling that we, you know, it's do stuff with quality and it's it's enough, and not to worry about it. On the other hand, we're talking about stuff that we where we can travel to, um, and I don't want to put out the wrong message. If there's anything that people are taking away from this conversation, I want you to know that. I don't care where you're on, where you are, what stage of life you're in, what you're going through. You are enough.
0: That's a great message to put out there.
1: Yep. Just something that I want to make sure that people really ingrain this or get this ingrained because I don't care what people tell you, you are enough
0: something related to that it's it's not the same but something related to that is i was doing a a webinar this week and i i made a comment that i make quite often which is stop talking about people as an impediment or a blocker or the problem because all problems are human problems but if we're thinking about like something we're not doing don't make it about the person make it about the thing because people are people and things are things and we yeah. should not make them synonyms in how we how no. we act
1: no agreed it's it's the behavior that's the impediment
0: yeah the behaviors the impediment the 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 need the the unmet need the hurt feelings the um help you need or help you're offering etc that that's the thing not the 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 person behind it because none of us know what is going on with, with each other. Like we only know kind of like you were just talking about, we only know what people put out there. And and then even then many people, all of us maybe only see what we want to see or what we're, we're ready to see. So that's at least two levels of abstraction down from reality. Yeah.
1: Do you ever suffer from this intrinsically? Like, do you ever feel not enough?
0: Oh, every day already today. And I've only been uh, upright for two and a half hours. Like, um,
1: that's an achievement.
0: Yeah. Um, why do I, I guess because I'm human. I mean, I think, I don't know. I, that's, that's a hell of a question. I don't know how I would answer your why succinctly. But I would be shocked if anybody could say I got through the entire day and did not feel like I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't enough. I I would be surprised.
1: But then it's again about behavior, not about you personally. Like, Do you feel as a person that you are enough?
0: No, I don't. Like, I think I could be a better son. I could be a better uh, life partner. I could be a better father. I could be a better everything. And... You know, I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago is some people look at all the things they don't have, can't do, don't know, etc. And other people tend to only look at the positives. And I think for most of us, it's in the middle is we balance maybe simultaneously the stuff we can do and do know and, and are good at versus the things we're not doing.
1: Yeah, I do know it is something with the words that you're saying is that you're almost Aiming for perfection, right? What a lot of people are doing, and that's different from you are enough. There's a big difference between you're enough and you're perfect. And if you're perfect, that would make you in a not human. No one's perfect.
0: Oh, sure. I I would say I don't chase perfection, but I chase continuous improvement. I chase, of uh, advancement. I chase. uh, th- There's a uh, phrase in strength conditioning called progressive overload, which is if, if you want to be able to lift a hundred pounds, well, fine. Lift, can you lift 20 and then 40 and then 70 and your muscles will grow as you stress them. Well, I think that idea holds true when we overload ourselves with things we don't know, or things we're not capable of, or, or being a better brother or son or teammate or whatever and we get good at that we can do better um but it doesn't mean you should always be chasing that that improvement that's a very sad existence i would
1: would yeah i stole this from adam grant uh, uh what i don't know what his which of his books but where he mentioned like if you're Aiming to become happier, if you're always striving this mission to become more happy, you want to get more stuff or you want to get in the best shape of your life and so on, there's never going to be a point where you're actually going to feel like you have achieved it because you're continuously, continuously on this journey to get more and more and more and more, whether that's happiness or shape or things or whatever only when you're not doing it, then you'll get more satisfied with the things that you you were actually trying to achieve. So if you sort of drop the whole journey to have to be I have to be happy. Mm-hmm. Then you'll feel automatically inherently more happy. Right. It's an interesting right. thing. And that's I'm not saying drop your product development right now because your product is good enough. I'm not saying that, but the more that you, intrinsically try to achieve the more that you feel you're not going to be good enough. And look at bodybuilders, for instance, Ronnie Coleman, one of the most famous bodybuilders speaking about progressive overload. The dude is one of the most legendary, the biggest bodybuilders that has ever been. And he has said in so many interviews, like if he looks at pictures or he has won Mr. Olympia a 100,000 times, he could have done better on this and maybe a little bit more on the shoulders and so maybe a little bit more there. The dude could, could leg press 1,400 pounds at some point if, it, if it's not even more. No, I wanted to do more. I could have done better.
0: Right. And... Yeah, absolutely. And it really depends on how are you measuring your your success. Like um there's a an image that I have that I use in some of my my work and it's around a definition of value. Like what's our goal? And if we think about a bodybuilder or physical health, there's so many different metrics you could use to define that. And no one is right for everybody, but it, it could be the ultra marathoner who can run 140 miles. It could be the weightlifter who's just totally jacked and can, you know, like the mountain or Ronnie Coleman or something. Or it could be my buddy who's got amazing, what I call functional strength. Like I always tell people if I ever get trapped under a Buick or fall down a hole, that's who I want to be looking down at me because he's got that type of strength where it's he, he doesn't go to the gym very often, he just is a beefcake because he works out, he chops wood he he works on his car he he hunts he he hikes, he does all this stuff and but it serves him well it it serves his lifestyle well it's his definition of health and fitness and and maybe his physical goals are just different than somebody else's,
1: yeah. Which is good. Everyone needs to have their own lifestyle choices. Nothing wrong with that. But again, it comes back to whatever makes you happy. But I'm I'm pretty sure, by the way, that if you ask him the same question, do you feel enough? He's probably going to say no either. Right.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to look back on his career and see the things he didn't do uh, or the choices he made. Um, So I have two kind of quotes to drop. Uh, on you and the audience. And then I have a book recommendation. So there is a screenshot that I grabbed from the movie race, which is about Jesse Owens becoming an Olympian, his time at Ohio state, which of course is near and dear to my heart, just up the road. Uh, and his coach is played by Jason Sudeikis, who also plays Ted Lasso. And a phrase that went By the, you know, I saw no mention of it online. Uh, I couldn't find a screenshot. So I made a screenshot and I'm going to put it out there, which is the coach is telling the athlete in the future, you are going to deal with the choices you're making now that you don't even realize are choices. And I heard that and like hit pause on, on my TV. And I'm like, that is very insightful because we are making choices all the time and we're dealing with the outcome of those choices and we don't even know their choices. Like think about a, um, a product owner. They're choosing what to do every day. They're choosing how to seek feedback. They're choosing what to do, what not to do. They're choosing who to listen to. They're choosing this. And if I ask them, why did you make that choice? Well, first of all, I wouldn't phrase the question that way, but if we got them to think about that choice, they might say, well, I, I didn't even realize I was choosing Like, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. a choice. The, um, other quote uh, on, a, on my way back from from the face to-face last month in in London I had a lot of time in the airport in the airplane and I watched the George Clooney Julia Roberts movie the latest rom-com because I just needed something to take my mind off the flight and there's this idea that came up in the movie a couple times of don't wait in life for the right time to to ha- to enjoy yourself like the message was if you want to move to the country, don't wait until you're 60 or wait until the "quote unquote" right time. Do it now. If you want to do the thing, you want to take the class, you want to read the book, go do the thing. And it's not about being excessive and and hedonistic. It's about saying, don't wait for the right time. There is never a right time. No,
1: which is why I hate the definition of ready because you won't. You'll never know whether you're ready until you look back.
0: Right. Uh, Agreed. Like um, somebody just asked in our discord channel about the definition of ready. And I, my summary is, I tend to have a very, very lightweight idea of what ready means. And I tend to have a much more rigid and robust definition of what we call done and valuable. Um. If you're not a little bit anxious about calling something ready, like if you're not leaving something to chance or some unknown or uh, something that could happen, your definition of ready could be too, too big because that means you're probably trying to over-prepare, over-refine, answer every possible question, explore every possibility, which sounds a hell of a lot like waste to me in a, in a world that's constantly changing and evolving. So we can't know everything. We can't – there are unknown unknowns in all aspects of things, and to try and know them is a fool's errand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what people are trying to – aim, for, or what a lot of companies aim for is to plan out all these variables that we don't know whether they're actually going to materialize or not. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, the, I, the, the What you were saying about you know, the making the choices – uh, is incredibly really powerful. I noticed that with myself as well. well. A couple of months ago, or let's say a month and a half ago, maybe even a little bit more, I noticed that I, it has been a quite a while, let's say half a year, maybe even more, that I skipped a day of not drinking alcohol. Mm. So I was drinking every day. It wasn't much. Maybe a beer, maybe two. Uh, but I was continuously making the wrong choices. And on the other side of the spectrum, I was – Complaining that it was too heavy, I didn't feel in shape, I didn't feel um, fit and healthy. So the moment that I really got into the mindset, like I'm going to quit now, Uh, I'm going to get my going to get my ass up, not put on the TV, don't play too much video games, blah blah. But really try to to create a healthy lifestyle for myself, a balanced lifestyle. I've lost twenty five pounds now over the course of six seven weeks in a healthy way. I'm getting more muscle. Lost a, a lot of fat. I feel a lot more healthy. I don't feel so lethargic throughout the day. You know, it, it's a, a, it affected my sleep and so on. It affected everything. So I feel a lot better in shape now. I'm definitely not there yet. I went to, In total, I want to lose about 50 pounds, maybe a little bit more. And then we'll see what happens from that point on. But it's continuously about making choices. And you make choices even though you are you don't even know. you're You're not aware that you make these choices.
0: So yeah. I love that you brought it so, up. So on our next chat, let's I want to throw something out there. Let's talk a little bit about the word discipline and how it applies to you and me and the work. Um, because I got asked this week about discipline. I used it in a visual and they said, what do you mean? I'm like, well, simply put in this reference, discipline is doing the difficult thing or the right thing, even when we don't want to. So whether it's about you not drinking when maybe you want to, or not going to the gym when you think you should or or want to, et cetera. Um, But there's a lot of aspects to this idea of discipline. And then just to wrap up today in the chat we're having, the the book recommendation is a quick one. It's called chop wood and carry water. And it's a, it's a really good quick read, quick listen. Uh, It's out there on, I think all the big things and, um, It's really about the process of improvement, the process of falling in love with the process instead of the outcome. And if you can do that, if you can enjoy and derive satisfaction and value from the act, the goal becomes largely irrelevant. Like you'll achieve goals for sure, but it's falling in love with goals will create that dopamine and serotonin boost we were talking about last time. And then you're, you're chasing that game. You're having to constantly do that and not finding satisfaction and happiness. It's about the journey. Um, So that's not, yeah. So yeah, let's, let's talk about that next time. Not only that, but let's, let's get into that and uh, maybe these idea of unknown unknowns. I would love to pick your brain on, on that idea.
1: No, Love it. I think it's a great idea. Jim, thanks for this uh, this discussion. Join us again next week, folks.
0: That is all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, let us know by hitting that like button, share it with friends and colleagues, sharing a message on LinkedIn, joining our warm and welcoming Discord community, or attend recordings as a virtual audience. You can find all the relevant links in the show notes. We hope you'll tune back in for the next episode of the Mastering Agility Podcast we